Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hello. Coming up on today's show, the hoax that had us all thinking Kim and Pete were in cans visiting local cafes. Hayley Bieber launches her skincare line, while Beyonce announces a new album, and then we open the Shameless mailbag. What the hell do you do if you really, really, really hate your best friend's partner? But first, Zara McDonald, my beloved, how was your week? Hi, a pretty uneventful week, I'm not going to lie. There's not a whole lot going on. We're obviously living in Melbourne at the moment, but I spent so much time. As we have for four years. (laughs) Actually, as I have my entire life. But I spent so much time on TikTok this week consistently watching non-stop videos of Harry Styles performing at Wembley that I almost feel like I went to the concert. (laughs) Does anybody else feel like that? Is this the concert where fans kept panning their cameras over to... Niall. Niall. Mm. And everyone... Okay, I have a bone to pick with this. I wonder if we have the same bone to pick. A lot of people online have been like... Look at how, how proud he how is. How proud he is. He's so emotional. <laughs> Niall's watching on thinking, wow, like, look at how far Harry's come. People post, you are 1,000% right. People are saying, like, he just couldn't look more in awe of everything <laughs> Harry's done. It's like, he actually looks a bit bored. <laughs> he genuinely looks so expressionless. He's not singing. He's not doing anything. He's, like, blankly staring into space. And a whole bunch of 1D stands are like, this is the most emotional moment of Niall Horan's life. It is quite good, though. I can't stop watching like so many Harry Styles performing videos. I know you're not a Harry Styles fan. Really. Now, now, I don't want to get hate from the listeners. It's not that I'm not a fan. I I oh, like Michelle, him. I like him, I like him a healthy amount. And I would say you too, not a healthy amount. I would 
would say no, it's a healthy amount. It's so healthy. It's a loving, healthy relationship we have with Harry. <laughs> I think it's so fine. Anyway, so that's what I've been doing with most of my week. I have two recommendations. One is for the listeners and one is specifically for you, Michelle. <gasps> so may I start with the listener recommendation because it's pretty basic considering what I recommended last week. I recommended that interview between Tina Brown and Pandora Sykes and everyone said you should, instead of reading the Palace Papers, you should listen to it on audiobook because mm-hmm. I said last week I was too intimidated. I got the audiobook. It's like 17 or 18 hours. I'm already like five hours in. I'm Go obsessed girl. with it. It's amazing. So if you too were intimidated by this book, it's like a royal oral history in your ears. It's amazing. That makes it sound kind of boring, but I'll back you. <laughs> ah, fuck. <laughs> a royal oral history. Are there like juicy gossip yeah, bits? Yeah, so much juicy royal gossip. Cool. And I... I think the combo we had yesterday, Mish, about audiobooks is that it really comes down to the narrator as well. And oh, yeah. Tina Brown is the narrator and I love her voice. Very British. She puts on an amazing accent for the Queen as well, which oh. normally would annoy me. Now, my quick recommendation for you that I have been meaning to tell you for the last three days. I'm here and I'm ready. Is I finally found a way, and our <laughs> listeners might be pissing themselves because everybody might know this, but we did not. Uh. I finally found a way to turn off Siri in your AirPods. Shut the fuck up. When a text message comes in. This this has <laughs> ruined my experience of life since I got the new AirPods. Annabelle. Oh, I've got the AirPods. I'm, yeah. he- I'm seeing your confusion and let me explain how annoying it is to you. It is a privilege to have the new AirPods, by the way. Very and, lucky to have and them. And I so appreciate that some people might like this feature or need this feature. Oh, yeah. But when I'm listening to a podcast, it's not what I need. So what it does is you're listening to your songs, you're listening to your podcasts, you're doing whatever, you're going about your life. If you receive any notification, Siri jumps in and goes, message from Madeline Cook at 7.18pm and then reads out the entire message. There is <laughs> no way to chat stop going it. off, you can't listen to anything in That's your ears. So funny. It will even do reactions. If your friends heart react to each other's message, it will interrupt <laughs> them and let you know, despite the fact you're looking at your phone and can see that notification anyway. How the hell do I turn that off? It's really, really easy, which is why it's kind of embarrassing because I think people who are listening to this will be like, that's so obvious. I'll tell you, you go into Siri and then announcements. I'll put it in the show notes as well Siri and announcements and then you say about the notifications and you say turn off isn't it crazy that sometimes the things that bug you the most can literally take 15 seconds out of your life to change but you'll go through it for months hating it instead of just figuring out a solution you are so welcome thank you I'll I'll do it the minute we get off this podcast recording how was your week what are you recommending throw me everything well now my day is (laughs) now I feel great I need to officially apologize on the record about a couple of things I said a couple of episodes ago that everything I know about love on Stan should have been set in present day. You came back to me and said, that's stupid. I kind of conceded it was stupid. I didn't say it was stupid. (laughs) It was stupid in your defense. Now that I've watched the entire season, I couldn't go on with this job if I didn't give it a formal shameless recommendation that you must watch everything I know about love on Stan. It is perfection. I actually wouldn't change a thing. Fuck off Michelle who watched episode one and said maybe it should have been set in 2022. It's a perfect show. One of my favorites ever. Can't wait for season two. Please, Dolly Alderton, take my formal apology. It is such a good show. Can I ask a question to the listeners? I asked you guys I mean, and you guys, sure. they won't respond. <laughs> yes. I asked you guys and you guys didn't agree. Do you think that Maggie sounds like Dua Lipa? No, the minute you said that and I went home and watched an episode, it was the first thing I thought. I thought, Annabelle's right. Yes. Maggie does sound like Dua Lipa. I have no strong feelings, but <laughs> like, sure. I just need to recommend that. I also need to formally apologise. Love Island this year is 
on fire. I know I said last week it was not Love Islanding in the way I needed it to. They've officially found the ideal villain and I am very impressed. She is an amazing female villain for reality TV and I'm obsessed with her. So we love go that. Watch that. And then my final recommendation is a beauty recommendation. Haven't done one in a while. I just think everyone needs a good concealer in their life. Yep. Yes. It's the white, I reckon it's the holy grail makeup product. Everything else you can fuck off. Concealer you always need. The Kosas Revealer Concealer is my favorite concealer, maybe under the sun. It's amazing. It's a little pricey, but if you love your makeup like I do, you've got to pick it up from Mecca. I did pick it up after you and Ray were recommending it. Ray, who works in our partnerships team. And I was like, I was in Mecca and I thought, I simply must. It's like. It's magic. I can't. <laughs> is it for the under eyes or for blemishes or is it like a hybrid? I product? just use it all over my face. I and use it on everything. Okay. And it feels, it's really creamy and it feels like, you guys told me it had skincare in there. It's I don't know. Serum it's serum. It feels like a mixture of skincare serum and concealer. It is so hydrating. Wow. It is so brightening. It is like perfection in a tiny little bright yellow bottle. It's really, really good. Hayley Bieber loves it too. Well, so. then we love it. Well, then we do too. That's my rec for the week. Nice one. We are jumping into the first segment of the show with, I got to say, I reckon my favourite story of 2022. Oh, she's gone and done it. Now it's going to disappoint everyone. <laughs> not disappoint everyone. That's how confident I am in it because Kim and Pete are not in Australia and we got hoaxed. We got punked. We got really punked, particularly Zara and myself because Zara texted me late last week with a link to an ABC article and was like, guys, what the fuck? Like Kim and Peter here. And we went back and forth for at least half an hour on the excitement, on everyone that we knew in Australia who might see Kim and Pete because they're in the far (laughs) north right now. Like we were excited. I put this in the general all team slack because I was like, this can't only go to Zara, myself and Annabelle. It has to go to everyone. And everyone was fucking living for it. Yeah, it was an amazing story. And the story basically read, and this was the headline, <laughs> in walked bloody Kimmy K. Minders make the orders as celeb couple hits Cairns Cafe. So we thought, oh my God, Cairns of all places, Kim yes. and Peter there. We knew that Pete had something to film up in far north Queensland. It made sense. We'd seen photos of them in a very sort of beachy area. And I thought, Australia has beautiful blue, clear water. Like yeah. that could be us. And so basically this piece said, yep, they're here and they went to a local cafe. Now, what originally had happened here is the owner of this cafe, a guy <laughs> named Matt Black, who owns... I will give them a shout out, sure. They probably deserve it after all this. (laughs) The Botanica Cafe originally posted on Facebook saying, hi everyone, we had Kim and Pete visit our cafe today. Yeah, big gong for Botanica. Mm. They only recently just opened, so very exciting. And if I may say in the most delicate way possible, not quite the cafe you'd expect Kim and Pete to normally visit. (laughs) Sarah did put in a message in the group chat to say, I would be shocked to, like, she was shocked to know that Kim and Pete would go to a cafe like Botanica. That's all I'm going (laughs) to say. That is true, yes. So Matt Black took this so far. He was all over social media saying, Kim Kardashian, Pete Davidson, love my cafe. He then decided to do media interviews about it. Apparently he was getting lots of media requests. So he spoke to ABC Radio and said, yes, Kim and Pete, visited Botanica and loved it. The story he told was pretty good too. He told the ABC, we had to put our phones out on the counter. He said, there was just me and my barista and to be honest, he didn't know who they were. He's really out of the loop with that sort of stuff. He said they were very polite. They basically took over the entire cafe and that they loved the food. <laughs> now, but he then said, I can't reveal what dishes they loved because they asked me not to. But that sounded something that they would do. So celebrity. It sound... Mm. A lot of this checked out. I was like, they would do that. Of course they would. 
Turns out... Um, they un- wouldn't. <laughs> un- no, they wouldn't because they didn't. <laughs> they were never at this cafe. It kind of started to come undone because everybody started sharing this far and wide. And then the Daily Mail of all places started to fact check. And you know, we're in deep strife when that happens. And they said that she, Kim Kardashian, she, had been papped in LA around the similar time that we thought she was in Australia. And then people got in touch with her reps who said she hasn't been in Australia in years. Yeah, so by Friday, the ABC had to scrap the story from their website and replace it with like a formal apology for getting the report wrong. Meanwhile, while Botanica Cafe kind of went to ground, Matt Black was all over Facebook saying what a wild ride it had been. And he was taking photos of the media outside Botanica being like, ooh, everyone wants the hot scoop. Yeah, eventually he admitted, and I quote, (laughs) This little local joke has turned into an unbelievable mess. (laughs) Like, no shit. He went on and said, I knew it would get some likes and a few comments from a small town, but never to make anyone lose their minds over two people's breakfast. A simple joke turned into news outlets running what they wanted for their own likes and comments. I think it's all a bit crazy. If I may, he knew it was going to make people crazy. That's why he cracked the joke. There's a bit of Kylie Jenner, why is everyone calling my kid wolf about this? It's like, why is everyone believing the lie that I told? It's like, I'm seeing Wolf around a bit. Um, I just wanted to say his name's not Wolf. (laughs) Genuinely, I'm like, Matt, people believe it because you said it and then you went on ABC radio and gave like oddly detailed quotes about your barista not knowing who they are. He gave this quote to Tropic Now. People who know me know I stir up stuff on social media. I thought people were going to call me out. Next thing, the Cairns Post is trying to get a story. The whole day, the phone did not stop ringing. The LA Times, journalists from New York, everyone trying to get this scoop about them being in my little cafe in Edge Hill. It got to the point where I thought I'd have to answer the phone and give someone something. (laughs) The next call was ABC Radio, and I said I'd give them the scoop. Sure enough... It just exploded even more. (laughs) Then he followed up with... shit. Then he followed up with, I'm a larrikin. I just do these things. (laughs) It's so like, why are you so obsessed with me? (laughs) It absolutely is. Also... Sure enough, it just exploded more as if giving an interview to a really legitimate media publication is not going to do that. Also, fuck, why can't I be a larrikin? Like, why has no one ever just said to any of us that we are larrikins? Like, no female has ever been described as a larrikin. And maybe the three of us are a tad bit uptight for larrikin status. But I want to be one. Apparently, who, who here would qualify as a larrikin? Out of us most. three. Yeah. No, no, not you, you Annabelle. Like, no. I reckon it might be me. I actually think it's me. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> One for your say Friday, who qualifies as a larrikin? Bit of a humble brag for all of us to try and own and take larrikin status. <laughs> I don't think any of us are. No, not even a little bit. I love that he doubled down even more. The quotes just kept coming because then Matt Black said this. I need to take it seriously because we're a new cafe. We have the most talented chefs and we've worked really hard. I've got cherished staff members who I need to make sure are still okay. I treat everyone who comes into that cafe as royalty. I just now need to hope that people see it for what it is. It was a little Matt Black joke. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, no one knew who you were, let alone your sense of humour. No, but I appreciate that now. It's like maybe this is a brand of humour. Maybe it's just a little Matt Black joke. I will definitely bring that into my lexicon. I mean... A a wee little Matt Black joke. It was just a Matt Black joke, guys. All is forgiven. (laughs) Oopsie. Now, in case you're wondering where the hell Kim and Pete were likely holidaying, apparently it was Tahiti and... (laughs) 
<laughs> not the beaches of Cairns. Makes more sense. <laughs> Coming up after the break, Scott Cam gets lippy and Hayley Bieber launches a skincare line. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rooflet and tumblr of the pop culture and celebrity <laughs> news cycle, Michelle. She's been negging mine lately, so let's see. Oh, this will be a neg. <laughs> Michelle Unlarrican Andrews. Oh, Unlarrican, just yeah. in case that wasn't clear. Unlarrican. Unlarrican Andrews. All right, we're running with me? that. <laughs> what have I got? My first story. Hamish Blake takes out the gold Logie as TV's biggest night returns after two years. That is from the Sydney Morning Herald. A short one for you all because God knows the Logies took up too much of our lives on Sunday night. Yes, did they ever. <laughs> so congratulations are in order. We do love... Hamish Blake, we are a very tem- happy for tempered him. congratulations. <laughs> we are happy for old mate Hamish. He is a friend of the show. He took out his second gold Logie on Sunday night. We would have loved for Melissa Leong to win, but Hamish was our second choice. Yes, he was, absolutely. And I think because the Logies team, the Logies people, don't tell you who came second or the rankings of the other stars. I think we can just personally award Melissa Leong silver. Mm. Oh, she came silver. Yeah, yeah we have it confirmed. I think she would have come <laughs> silver or second. Now, in terms of winners, interestingly, but perhaps not surprisingly, given the state of the industry, Tony Armstrong was the only non-white winner of any award across the evening and given it went for four and a half hours that's a pretty stark reminder of where that industry is sitting right now yeah a bit of a shout out to tony armstrong feel like we haven't mentioned him enough on this show given what an icon he is i'm obsessed with him also obsessed with the fact that my mum loves him as much as I do. But every time she brings him up, she confuses him with Tony Jones and says, I really want Tony Jones to win. Like, no. <laughs> mum, couldn't be further. Polar <laughs> opposites. Tony Jones and Tony Armstrong. Armstrong. <laughs> anyway, obsessed with him and I was obsessed with his purple suit. Amazing yes. stuff. Yeah. My second story, Bachelors, Jimmy and Holly share their final OnlyFans statement. That is from Pedestrian TV. Anyone who listened to last week's episode will know the backstory on this in case you missed it. Let us give you a brief, brief rundown. Yeah, exactly. So essentially, Holly and Jimmy said that they had been constantly asked by their own followers when they were joining OnlyFans. And they said they had no plans to join the platform to sell nudes. And Jimmy sort of added that if reality stars want to empower people, they should start charities or use their platforms to set an example for younger generations. Yeah. Now, reactions to this Instagram story was pretty split. So if you looked on either of Jimmy or Holly, pages they were getting a lot of positive feedback about this a lot of people saying they agreed with their sentiment on OnlyFans but if you looked in other corners of the internet it was like the diametrical opposite of that like some people found their sentiment snarky and unnecessary that was certainly us last week Zara on this show other people were downright furious about this and really wanted to go for Holly and Jimmy over it so There was a lot of a lot going on. Yeah, so in response, they actually issued a statement on their Instagram and this statement read like this. You may have seen a post we shared this week talking about OnlyFans. Like almost everything online in 2022, it was met with strong reactions. We want to share some subsequent thoughts. Over the last year, we have received literally hundreds of messages that assumed that because we met on a reality show, we would be setting up an OnlyFans account. We will not be. We have no issue with someone who freely and legally works 
in the sex industry, whether it is on OnlyFans or elsewhere. However, like most of the people who have reached out to us, we don't believe it's the best way to promote female or male empowerment to young people. That is just our opinion. Yeah, it went on. And we do, we know it's long, but we want to read this out to give them their right of reply. We understand that social media can be a very powerful and an equally unpleasant place. We have enjoyed opening up our lives on social media and connecting with lovely people from all over the world. We get that not everyone will agree with us or like us, but it is such a sad reflection on the public conversation in Australia today that disagreement can morph into hatred so readily. We believe that being progressive and open-minded doesn't mean you have the same narrow worldview as other people who call themselves progressive and open-minded. It means you are willing to tolerate views that are different to your own. It is not acceptable to bully, harass or threaten anyone online or in the real world whether you disagree with them or not. Furthermore, if you have a public profile, we believe it is especially important to encourage a constructive, non-biased discussion rather than an attack. What do we think about that statement? I agree with parts of what they've said in this statement because the conversation that you and I were having in the office last week, Mish, was that we weren't loving watching how the conversation was unfolding. I think for me, in these scenarios, the perfect way for them to play out, and I know that's very Pollyanna of me because in what world do these things ever play out perfectly, is for someone to say something, for other people to come back and say, hey, here's why that is offensive to a lot of people or hey, here's a part of this you might not have thought about and then everybody just kind of sit with that if they decide to double down I'm not entirely sure how helpful it is for the rest of us to just go whack 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 I will not stop until you believe what I believe yeah I personally will never love shouting someone into submission on social media Like, of course, if someone puts out an opinion that you think is a little uneducated, a little snarky, a little ignorant, tell them that and explain why you completely disagree. But to try to dominate them or to try and shout them down into believing or parroting the exact same thing you do isn't valuable to me or isn't the way that kind of conversation should unfurl in Australia or anywhere for that matter. Like I often think when that does happen that someone says something that a whole group of people find to be ignorant and that group of people really badger them into a point of submission, the original person might say online, okay, I'm sorry, I disagree with what I said. But often I don't actually think they do disagree with what they've said. They just think they need to say they now disagree. They say they need to learn so that all the conversation goes away and dies down. And I'm just not sure that's where we actually want to be. Like, say you disagree. If they go, okay, I've heard you, but I still don't find only hit fans empowering. I still want reality stars to open charities or donate to charities (laughs) or whatever. Could we be in a place where we just sit back and go, okay, we're never going to agree. I'm happy to disagree with you on that. Yeah. And like, come and chat to me whenever you want to learn more about it. Yeah. Yeah. I do agree with that completely. I think one thing that's also confused me in this entire conversation is like, why we're suddenly talking about whether OnlyFans is empowering or not. And I know maybe this is taking it back a step to last week, but when Holly and Jimmy initially came out and said, we're not going on OnlyFans because we don't believe it's empowering like everybody says it is, I started to think, and you started to think, Mish, like how often do I see someone joining OnlyFans saying, I'm only doing this because it's empowering? I don't see that that often. I see a lot of people saying, I'm joining OnlyFans because I want to, because I want to make money, because I want to do this for my job. Like, is this just like a distracted combo of something that actually doesn't doesn't happen that often. What's the thing? Maybe people are saying, I find it personally empowering to join OnlyFans because I embrace my sexuality, embrace my body, and I'm making money off of those things. 
I don't understand where the conversation has gone where we're acting like people who join OnlyFans are pretending they're doing some big community service for empowerment. How many people could sit here and say their job, day-to-day job, empowers the community? Like, (laughs) Holly and Jimmy can't say that about their own job as influencers. I probably can't say that. You guys probably can't say that. I don't know many people who actually can. How did we get to a point where we're now talking about does OnlyFans empower children or empower people? It empowers the person who's doing it. It's a valid form of work. Why the fuck are we still talking about this? Where did we get to? Genuinely. It's very much like that though. It's like, I don't know what we're talking about anymore because I don't know how much of this is baked in reality. That's what I find most interesting about it. These two have said this is the last thing they'll say on it. So I imagine this would be the last time we hear of this story. And the last time we say anything on it as well. Yeah. My third story, Hayley Bieber's long-awaited skincare brand, Road, is finally here. That is from Self. I was very excited about this. Same. Perhaps... Maybe in a strange way. I was very excited. <laughs> I do love Hayley Bieber. She is someone who's in my past basket and I don't know why, but she just is. And you shouldn't ever have to explain to people why someone's in your past basket. No, it's a rule of shameless and we simply won't explain it. She's also in mine. Annabelle, is she in yours? Um, not No, yet. not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, if you did miss it, Hayley Bieber's long-awaited skincare brand is finally here and she's really putting that kind of glazed donut-like skin on the map. <laughs> Donut like skin. That's straight from the website. <laughs> now, Road launched with only three products. All three of them were under 30 bucks. That's US $30. Now, it's really interesting because when I heard that she was launching a skincare brand, I did wonder if there was really room for another. Like, mm. I, I really wondered if this was just an incredibly crowded space. But then I think a little like, and I know this is a funny comparison to make in this context, Selena Gomez and Rare Beauty she has found a gap in the market. Selena somehow found a gap with yeah. Rare. And I do think Kaylee has somehow found a gap with Rode. It's an accessible price point. They are really simple products. But I do wonder beyond this, do we have any room for more after this? Well, it's a really interesting point you make because I felt the exact same. I was like, how is this going to work? We've just also had Kim Kardashian yes. launch Skin. And what I love that Hailey Bieber's done that Kim didn't, Kim's launched with nine products. They're all essentially products that we know are very buzzy and hypey right now in the skincare space. Hailey's gone super tailored with three and their skincare products that, yes, are simple, Zara, but are completely different to what I'm seeing out there. Like, she's got a peptide glazing fluid. And I don't know what the fuck that is, but do I want it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Did we sign up all our emails for the wait list? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's all I want right now. It is very interesting. And I wonder if this was just my algorithm, and I will be self-aware about that. But I haven't seen nearly as much about Kim Kardashian's skin as I have about Hailey Bieber's road skincare. Mm. Do you agree with that? I've seen probably equally weighted coverage, but... Far more positive coverage for Hailey Bieber than I had for Kim Kardashian's skin. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think for me as well, watching the coverage of the last week or so, it seemed to mark a really interesting Gen Z shift in how they consider Hailey Bieber. Like, I don't think any of our listeners will be surprised to know and learn that, of course, Hailey has been the subject of intense levels of derision since she basically Mm. married Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber, when he was with Selena Gomez, had legions and legions of fans invested in that really young relationship. And when Hayley ended up with Justin, somehow she became the focus of 
all their unhappiness, basically. She was one of the most hated people on the internet for a time, for sure. And this has gone up to very recently. This wasn't something that just happened years ago that she's now recovered from. It was only a couple of months ago in April that she begged on TikTok for the trolling to stop. She said in a video, leave me alone at this point. I'm minding my business. I don't do anything. I don't say anything. Leave me alone, please. Enough time has gone by where it's valid to leave me alone. I think the subtext there is enough time since I married Justin has gone by to leave me alone. I beg of you truly, that's my only request, leave me alone, be miserable somewhere else, please. The caption on that video read, this is for you guys in my comments every single time I post. So the shift we've seen from that level of trolling towards Hayley Bieber to where we are eight, 12 weeks later is actually insane because I have not seen such positive coverage of Hayley Bieber ever. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think for me, it's really been interesting to consider what's changed in the minds of people. I think it has to come to a couple of things. I think firstly, people are probably seeing her as a little more human after she spoke very publicly of experiencing a mini stroke earlier this year. In the last few weeks as well, Justin Bieber himself had to postpone his tour because he was experiencing facial paralysis from something called Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. And I think that sense of humanity, people being like, fuck, that's a pretty shit time for the both of them. And people considering, well, that can only really work to strengthen your union has actually meant something. And it's horrendous that these kinds of things have had to happen for people to see them as more human. And it shouldn't work like that. But I think it has. On the other end as well, I think launching a business has helped as well. Mm. I think, unfortunately, people have more respect for people who are clearly running something or not even just like owning a business, but like putting their name to a job that they respect. Is that it? I am asking this as a question because I need to wrangle with it in myself. I agree with you on the illness stuff. I think that certainly humanised Hayley. She's always been a human, but thankfully on some level, people are finally starting to see her as one as well. On the comment you just said about, unfortunately, people are now giving her more credibility because she runs a business. I'm one of those people. Is that unfortunate or is that just human nature that when we see someone build something impressive that we think is creative, different, takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of, I don't know, hard work, blood, sweat and tears. I do have greater respect for people in Hayley Bieber's position who build businesses than maybe people who don't launch businesses or don't have something to their name that is their baby and kind of the front facing thing that they do publicly. Yeah, I think it is unfair. And I think it's very human though, too. But I do think when I say the word unfortunately, no one should ever just suddenly not be trolled because they've got their name to something. I also think like who gives a fuck how you want to live your life? If you want to float and if you want to kind of like not make work your entire identity and you want to make your marriage really important and your social media presence really important or whatever it is, like that, I really do believe that should be the subject of our respect too, whether or not it's the natural innate response from a lot of us. Yeah, maybe we're talking about two slightly different things. Maybe my wording wasn't right. It's not that like I ever disliked Hayley or would ever troll her, but I think she now appeals to a group of people who are career-minded, business-oriented, who have become fans of her. I think she now has dedicated fans who are Hayley fans, not necessarily Justin fans or fans of other things around her. And I'm not going to begrudge people for that. Some people like music, some people like business. If you're giving people something to adore and go, I really respect that, I love that for you, She's going to have people who I, feel more positive. I, I just her. more disagree that like the legions of fans that she's getting right now are business savvy Gen Zers. I think it's like Gen Zers who are Justin Bieber fans who are suddenly looking at Haley saying, oh, you have your own identity too. I will finally respect you now. That's where I think the bulk 
of the love is coming from. I am just really happy for her. So yeah. Massively. That this has turned around because dare I say, I've been a, I've been a Hailey Bieber fan for a long time and I've been waiting for the tide to turn. I actually think a lot of us in the office have been watching the commentary around Hailey Bieber for the last 12 months being like, what the fuck is going on? We all really like Hailey Bieber. Yeah. So I agree. I'm relieved. I love her. I want this skincare. Net positive all round. <laughs> My fourth story. Here's everything we know about Beyonce's new era. That is from BuzzFeed. It has been a big week in the life of Beyonce. Her first solo album in six years is launching next month on July 29. It's called Renaissance and will include 16 tracks. The first single was released on Tuesday. It's called Break My Soul. I listened to it. Have we? Absolutely. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah, it's good. And I say this, and I reckon I've said this on the podcast before. I'm not very good at listening to new music. Like, I'm so bad at it. I can't work out what I like, what I don't like. Sometimes I need to, like, listen to music through osmosis and then understand what I like. I listened to this for the first time and thought, I, this is a good song. I agree. It's a good song. It's not, like, my usual taste, but I can understand it and respect it. It's giving it 80s disco. Yeah. yeah, and it's also telling people to quit their jobs and don't quit your <laughs> Don't like it too much. But that is – it is – I saw a tongue-in-cheek piece on The Cut this morning about how she's really leaning into the great resignation and how everyone in America is quitting their jobs at the moment. But – kind of true like it's very much the mood post-pandemic for people to be leaving their jobs or there's a line in the song that's like work me till five but I won't work further than that I've butchered the line it's not <laughs> but I do think that is the mood that we've been talking to a little bit in the last few months so yeah. message is good too and it's classic Beyonce to hit the mood so well last week in promoting this new album and this new single she actually did a shoot with British Vogue and it was sick what I found interesting, though, is that she gave the photo shoot and collaborated on the photo shoot with editor Edward Enifel, but didn't actually give him an interview. Yes, but she didn't, like, not give him access. So Edward Enifel still wrote an accompanying piece to this photo shoot and he went over to dinner at Beyonce's house, listened to the album, but she did not give a single quote for that piece. So he basically <laughs> had to write about Beyonce without any of her input. I am pretty obsessed with that fact. I don't know many other celebrities who could launch an album or launch something huge after six years and say, I'll still manage to get the same level of publicity without giving an interview. There's no one else. Rihanna would give an interview. Yeah, I'm trying to think what celebrities in the world could go to British Vogue and say, give me the cover, but I'm not giving you a single word that you can quote. Beyonce... Not even Adele, I don't think. No, would Adele be did at that two level. profiles. With yeah, both. she did a double. <laughs> Maybe Meghan Markle could do it and not give an yes, interview. That's true. That's a good point. I don't think there's a single other celeb. Come to us if you have one, but I think Meghan Markle and Beyonce might be the only two women in the world. Do you know what I heard the other day? I'm so sorry. This is just going to keep coming out as I keep listening to the Palace Papers. The <laughs> Queen has never given an interview. <gasps> oh, really? Mm. I love that. And then for you her. think about it and you're like, oh yeah, that's true. Kate Middleton's never given one since she's been in the public eye either. Queenie just flying under the radar. Like no quotes on the record. I, I find that amazing. Woman of mystique. Queen yes. behaviour. And I think that's why, yeah, they they really lean into that level of mystique. There's such a level of mystique, particularly around Kate Middleton, because when we don't hear anything from her, you see them all the time, but you realise you actually never hear from them. Right. It's such a different form of publicity because like the Beyonce's of the world give us nothing and we want more. The Kim Kardashian's of the world give us everything and we want more. It's yes. like you have to go one of two ways. I 100%. I swear I get more intrigued by Beyonce as time goes on. Like I was trawling through this piece from Edward Enifel just trying to get like any anything about who Beyonce is. I'm like, what is she like when she's sitting at dinner? Is she really chilled out? Is she kind of 
wild? Is she super rogue? These were kind of the only things we got, right? Edward Enifel said she's a writer of excellent and lengthy texts, <laughs> which seems to check out. And here's another part from the piece that I liked. I find myself truly on famille sitting at Beyonce's dinner table on a Sunday night. I'm a little stunned about how relaxed it all is. Sure, the house is impressively minimalist with acres of white walls, gleaming glass and beautiful art. As a scrumptious dinner of ribs, cream corn, peas and mashed potatoes is served, I'm not sure the mood could be any cosier. He went on, I'm so struck by how tranquil our hostess is. At this point, her ironclad devotion to professionalism and privacy is legendary. And yet here she is at home with her hair loose, not a stitch of makeup on, wearing a hoodie, just being herself. Her armour is so lowered, her laughter so infectious, her skin so glowy, she honestly looks like a teenager. He said that he thinks she puts that wall up between herself and the rest of the world because of this. I can't help thinking how all those walls we perceive Beyonce putting up don't exist to facilitate ego. Quite the contrary, they exist so she can let it all go. I knew she'd be just like the most laid back person behind the scenes. I did know. (laughs) She would be, I reckon. But as we said, the level of mystique is... So impressive and just makes me want more and more. Yeah, my fifth story. Scott Cam slams influencers Elle Ferguson and Joel Patful for quitting the block. That is from news.com. You guys might know about these two. We've mentioned them a couple of times, but just a refresher. Elle Ferguson is an influencer and businesswoman with 680,000 followers on Instagram. She's also the brains behind the Elle Effect fake tan brand. Her fiancé, Joel Patful, is a former AFL player. So they're high profile. Yeah, and I think it's definitely been the formula that the block has lent into in the last few years. I mean... You remember, of course, influencer Elise Knowles and her partner were on the block and did incredibly well. We also had Love Island twins, Luke and Josh, who mm. also did pretty well as well. So this year, I think Ellen Joel were going to be their famous faces. I think Sharon yeah. Joe Hall is also on the show. So these were their other famous faces on the show. But you might remember back in April, we spoke about these two really abruptly pulling out of the show just three days into filming, Mish. Yeah. Then this week, in quotes published by TV Tonight, Scott Cam, the block's host, suggested the reason that Elle and Joel walked away is because they couldn't handle the workload and bailed after the very first challenge. Now, we should note, there's some question marks about this story. We know these quotes were given at a post-Logies brunch, We can't quite work out if Scott Cam was mouthing off to a group of people and a TV Tonight journal was kind of scribbling down notes of recording it or whatever and quoting him, or if he actually did an interview with a TV Tonight journal at this brunch. Well, I think the quotes would have to be on the record because it was a media brunch as well. So everything would be on the record. And I think for those who don't understand perhaps how the journalism industry works, it's very rare, if ever, for a journalist to publish quotes when someone hasn't consented to giving those quotes like you can give an interview and halfway through be like half of this is off the record and they basically cannot publish that the problem is the onus is on a probably very hungover scott cam the day after the logies to interrupt and say this is off the record if he forgets to say that if he's a little lax with his words if he's a little tired from the night before he might say all this shit and not realize it's about to be printed well then let's talk about what he actually said (laughs) shall we because he explained in quotes published by tv tonight 
We had a controversy on day two of the series. We had a 48-hour challenge to choose the house that you get and they scarpered after 48 hours. It's something that's never happened before. 45,000 people applied to be on the block and win life-changing money. These guys got on and they just couldn't handle the pace after 48 hours, which to me is a bit un-Australian. Have a go. It's piss poor. It's piss poor. Now, a reminder... The, the reason we originally heard that Elle and Joel had pulled out when this all went down a few months ago was that Joel Patful's mum had taken ill. The Daily Telegraph reported this at the time. It is understood the couple made the decision to quit after Patful's mother, Trish, fractured her neck in a nasty fall at home in Adelaide. She is believed to have possible bleeding of the brain, a broken coccyx and a fractured wrist. We then also had Elle take to her Instagram stories and write, wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing, family always comes first. That was written over an image of like a baggage trolley baggage carousel at the airport clearly giving the impression that they were flying to go be with Joel Patful's mother so having this story about what fractured neck bleeding on the brain a broken coccyx and a fractured wrist in tandem with Scotty Camp saying <laughs> it's piss it's poor, piss poor oh. have a go it's a bit on Australian I have a lot of question marks about this story and why he would say that I'm so confused like deeply confused and that's kind of my only comment. <laughs> I, I'm, I guess it'll be quite interesting when the block actually does air what these first couple of episodes look like because I think that'll give us far more answers. Yeah, because even Channel 9 was like they had a weird tone to their statement at the time now that I reread that too. Channel 9 said over the weekend we were surprised to have one of our new contestant teams depart the block a few days into filming. We wish them all the best for the future. Like – Where's the sympathy <laughs> for Elle and Joel? Like apparently Trish is okay now, which is great. But like the tone from Channel 9 and Scott Camp, something is so not adding up here. Yeah, I totally agree. Is that all you've got for me? That's all I've got. Hmm. You've got mail. Yes. It's a very powerful words. Alrighty, team, it is mailbag time. Annabelle Lully, take yeah. it away. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> this one, Ray. <laughs> hey, shameless. My best friend, Emma, and I are considering having an intervention with our other best friend, Lucy, regarding her boyfriend. Basically, we're worried that she's in a bad relationship and we feel as though she's slowly losing herself. In the two years that Lucy and her boyfriend have been together, I've met him three times. He's never made an effort to get to know me or Emma, and because we only hear the negative sides of their relationship, I've stopped making an effort to spend time with him either. Every time we ask Lucy how she's going, the conversation eventually becomes about him and whatever she wants to update us on is always negative. From what we understand, they argue a lot and have serious communication issues. There have been several times where Lucy has told me that she thinks it's over, but every time she ends up staying. I want to be really mindful that this is Lucy's first relationship, but I worry because she doesn't have enough previous experience and that her judgment is clouded by being in love for the first time. The last time I told Lucy how I felt about her relationship, she asked me to stop giving my opinion on it because it's her mistake to make. And ever since then, our dynamic has changed. We don't talk on the same level that we used to and she's essentially stopped coming to Emma and me to talk about her relationship issues. I am mad at him for not being the man that my best friend deserves. So my question is, is an intervention a good idea? Will we push her away even more or is this the wake-up call she needs? Please help me because I miss my best friend. Love, Monique. 
pretty relatable dilemma for yeah. a lot of people, I imagine. I think surely everyone has been through this with a friend at some point or another. I when- will put on the record that I'm not going through it right now if my friends oh, are listening. I, love, <laughs> I will also put on the record, I love all of my friends' Just partners. to save my ass. But in previous times, for sure. there have been occasions where I haven't loved my friends' partners or I've had issues with the way that my friends are being treated. So like... Monique, to this listener, we have changed her name to protect her privacy, but Monique, like, relatable, absolutely get your frustration, absolutely get that you and your other best friend, Emma, are upset about this. However, let's let's wade through it, shall we? Let's wade through it. And it's a, we really wanted to pull this one out of the inbox, Mish, because we are getting so many of these, by the way. Mm. And keep them coming because we spend a great deal of time going through them. This one felt particularly relevant for us because we had sat in the office this week after the last episode of The Kardashians aired and you showed me a snippet of Kim Kardashian talking to Khloe Kardashian on a bed about how to navigate when to tell your sibling, in this case that their relationship isn't good enough. Yeah, it's eerily similar to what this listener has said in her mailbag. So we'll play you a snippet of that conversation right now. When is that time when we like step into our siblings' lives and be like, okay, this isn't okay. I feel like we always tiptoe around each other's situations because we just don't want to meddle. And I respect that no one came to me during my marriage and was like, are you good? Everyone let me have my own journey and see that on my own. And I appreciate that. But sometimes I like look back and I'm like, when do we jump in? Like I just, that's what I'm so unclear about. If people knew what, what my relationship really was like, I think they would be like, how did this last this long? Yeah. So it is obviously such a universal dilemma. And it's interesting to hear two women in Kim and Chloe whose relationships with their partners ended still not knowing when the right time to go is. Like Kim was saying, I'm glad no one came to me and let me work it out on my own. But then simultaneously also said, I would have appreciated someone saying something at the same time. And I think that represents a dichotomy in all of us. It's like, I want to know, but I also really don't want to know. There's such a duality with this stuff, I reckon. I think everybody feels like that because we've all done the hypotheticals with each other. Like you and I have even sat there to be like, okay, well, what if it was your partner that people didn't like? Like, how would you respond to this? And I would be equal parts fucking leave me alone and also why didn't you tell me a bit earlier yeah and if I broke up with my partner and then everyone came to me and said oh I had all these issues with the way he treated you that would annoy me as well when it comes to Monique let's talk about this one I think one line that really stood out to me Mish and I wonder if you agree with this is I'm mad at him for not being the man that my best friend deserves now I do want to put on the record here this guy doesn't sound at least from the info that we've got, emotionally abusive. Would you agree with that? No, he doesn't sound abusive. It just sounds to me like this is a – and I'm sure Monique would have mentioned yeah. that. If, if she thought this was an abusive dynamic, she would have told us that. It sounds to me like she just thinks it's a pretty shitty relationship and her friend could do much better. Yes, and I think that's what we've got from that, so that's the advice that I'm going to give. I think sometimes we can get incredibly caught up in fighting for – the person we want our loved ones to be with rather than strip us, strip it all back and say to ourselves, well, do they seem kind of happy with them? Even though it's not the kind of happiness I want or the kind of relationship that I want, is their life better for them being in it? And that's like a question people have to grapple with because that kind of happiness or that sort of betterness might not look the same for everybody. I do think asking yourself about whether your friend is at least at peace is a really important question here, even if it's not the peace you want. Yeah, I feel like it's also really important for Monique to 
assess like is she actually a, an expert in this relationship yes. between her best friend Lucy and Lucy's boyfriend like does she know enough to make a, a good decision or to give good advice because Lucy yes has been coming to her and crying and has been coming to her with the negative stuff about her boyfriend and clearly has been struggling with some elements of the relationship but Monique and Emma are not seeing all the loving moments between Lucy and her boyfriend. They're not behind closed doors seeing why Lucy wants to stay or why she wants to work it out. And I think it's tricky for friends and I've been in this position so many times where I've seen a friend cry over a boy or a girl and I've sat there and gone, oh God, like they're crying heaps over this person. And that's true but I'm not seeing why this person is someone they really want to hold on to. I'm not seeing why they're so attached and all the beautiful things about this person. Cause we don't sit down with our friends and go, guys, look at this loving text message. My boyfriend just sent me, or guys, look at this amazing gesture. My girlfriend made for me at home. We very rarely actually do that. We go to our friends often to vent and because they're our outlet for venting, they get far more negative information than positive. But to Monique and to Emma, I would say you need to back Lucy, that Lucy knows more about her relationship than you ever will. And also, if Lucy's making a mistake, it's her mistake to make. And she said that. She has said yeah. that it's her mistake to make. And I think if perhaps Monique hadn't said her piece already or said something subtly, maybe I'd say there are ways to do it really gently. But once you say it once, that is all you can do. Mm. That she's asked you to back off is your answer. Yeah. I think for me, it's like you actually were already given the answer from your really good friend. I think it's quite telling to me that Lucy has said to you, Monique, it is my mistake to make because I think if the, if she was my friend, I would sit with that and I would think, okay, I think something deep down in her knows it's not right because if you're in a really happy relationship, you're not running around to your friend saying, this is my fucking mistake to make. <laughs> I don't know. think mistake, the word no, even comes out of your doesn't. mouth. So you yeah. know the seed is there. But what you see with time and time again with people, particularly in their 20s, is it's like you need to come to that yourself. It's an incredibly hard thing to end a relationship. Incredibly hard. And it takes a lot of time. You want to be at like 80 to 90% ready to be done mm. when you make that decision. I also think for me... Whether or not this is the case specifically here, I think friends can kind of get caught up in the gossip of hating their friend's partner. Oh, yeah. Making it kind of a thing, making it a way to bond with each other, making it a way to be patronising or exclusive to have those conversations about their friend. As I said, this absolutely might not be the case here, but if someone's listening to that and thinks – yeah, I reckon our friends do that. It's certainly something to keep in mind. Are you fueling this and constantly talking about this really because you think it's making the world better? Or is this just like satiating something inside of you that's more about you? Yeah, I a thousand percent agree with that. I think as well, this is a guy you've met three times and you've acknowledged you've met him three times. Is there a world where your perception of how awful he is is not fully aligned with the reality of who he is. I also think no matter what, like I love how caring Monique and Emma are for their friend. I really want those listeners out there, whoever they are, to know, like you are clearly very caring. You clearly care a lot about Lucy and like I really respect that. However, I also think the line you've included, Monique, about I want to be really mindful this is Lucy's first relationship. I worry she doesn't have enough previous experience and her judgment is being clouded by being in love for the first time. 
The fact you've included that makes me think no matter what you two say on her relationship will come across as condescending and patronising. Like you're probably coming to her with far more experience in relationships and that's valid and that's fair, but she's never going to be able to see it beyond that, I don't think. She's going to see you guys as coming to her as like the experts on love and how she's gotten wrong or how you guys have this experience she couldn't possibly compare to. And I'm not sure that's ever going to be received very well. It's not necessarily your fault, but it's something to be really mindful of that even a slight patronising tone will be magnified because you've referenced her lack of experience and clouded judgement. And it's also like a lack of experience is not a surefire sign that someone doesn't know what they're doing in a relationship. Just as having a wealth of experience doesn't mean that people make ill-thought-out decisions later on in life too. Kim Kardashian's been married three times. I think she would tell you she's got plenty of experience but still makes mistakes. The only thing I in these kinds of scenarios that I think you can ever do is when they are crying to you and they are upset and you don't believe they're at their happier self is to just point that out but in no way reference the partner to just be like you don't seem like your best self at the moment or you don't seem like the happiest version of you do you feel like that and put the question in their mind and if they say yeah I'm fine then that's kind of all you can do but you can only put questions to them to say here's my observation about how you seem to be doing do you agree with that and leave it there Yeah, I agree. I think the one thing you can say is it hurts me to see you cry so much. It hurts me to see you hurting like this so often. But if you want to be a really good best friend to Lucy, I truly believe the way to be a good best friend is to let your best friends make mistakes. Let them live their life the way they will and let them know you will be there in their corner. No matter how taxing it is at the time for you, you will be there for them when things go to shit. That's your role as a best friend. You cannot say anything that will make this woman leave her relationship. I wholeheartedly believe that. You can say something that will let her know if she does leave, you're in her corner. Yeah, and I think the most damaging thing for all of you right now is to have that wedge between you all. Don't hold an intervention. In fact, I think the most important thing is for you to work out how to get over that awkwardness that you're all in right now. Don't make the wedge bigger. Make it smaller. Sorry for the shit metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good metaphor though. And no, yeah, don't. Please do not hold an intervention. I really, this is like one of those mailbags where I hope we got to it in time before Emma and Monique held an intervention because I can tell you right now that will not repair this friendship. That will only make it worse. So I'm really hoping we got to you in time. And if we have, call off the intervention, go out to coffee and just catch up with your best friend and let her know you love her. Yeah, guys, I think that is all we've got time for today. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the show, you know what the drill is. Click follow on Spotify, follow on Apple, follow wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps people kind of find the show. Yeah, good job. (laughs) Something like that. Guys, we're also on socials. Go to our show notes and find links for where you can follow us and where you can subscribe to our newsletter, dare I say. Ask Shameless, which drops in inboxes every Friday morning, is one of my favourite things we do at this company. So 50,000 of you are already subscribed. Subscribe via the link in our show notes and get that email in your inbox. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. We will be back in your ears on Monday. Saturday. Saturday. Always, every month. Saturday for another episode of Book Club. Book Club. Bye. Bye. media this podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land always was always will be aboriginal land